Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business so that you can grow and scale and ultimately achieve your vision. And today we're doing something we've never done before. And if you've been a listener of this show for any number of years, you know, every now and then we try to do little different things in order to make this show better. So what we really want is we want your feedback on this. Let us know what you think. This is actually a brainchild of our producer, Kevin as well as uh, some ideas from some of our internal team members here. What we're going to be doing is sort of opening the kimono a bit today on an actual team call. Now, we do two separate team calls once a month because we've got 60, 70, some odd people, 100, 150 people, depending on how you sort of measure things inside Tier 11. But we've got a lot of people on staff that are doing a lot of different things, everything from the data layer, which is so important with everything that is in marketing these days. Obviously, you need to have that data layer. You need to have that as your foundation. Secondly, is your creative. Our creative team now has doubled, if not tripled. And you'll talk about in today's show a lot of the creative strategies that we're now deploying because the media buying portion or the traffic portion of it is, I wouldn't even say it's a less important component, but it's a component that kind of goes along for the ride for a lot of the creative that's done up front. It's obviously done by trained media buyers who understand how to leverage the algorithms, but there's less manual stuff to do now because of the platforms that become so good at being able to optimize putting the right message in front of the right person at the right time on the right platform. As a result of that, a lot of today's call is actually surrounding creative and the different types of messaging and approaches that we use inside Tier 11. So this is an actual team call where we have a large portion of our creative team on the call, as well as our media buying team, as well as our data folks, and then a lot of our after-the-click folks as well, which is super important. What we refer to now as the conversion engine, which is everything all together, which is media buying, which is creative, obviously super important these days, if you've been a listener of the show here, you know that creative really does create the audience. And then that third part is after the click or CRO. And it's all tied together with, if you sort of think of this as an engine, all of that is tied together with how you actually read the data that comes from your ad accounts, comes from your creatives, comes from everything that happens after the click. And then you can make data-driven decisions in order to achieve scale and ultimately achieve your vision. So that's what you're going to be listening in on today is our team talking about this and debating different ways in which to do it. There's a lot of nuggets here. I'm not going to even start off today's show with a nugget because this show is chock full 
of nuggets coming from our absolutely amazing team at Tier 11. This is from a Zoom call recording. We don't usually do this. So obviously, we've made it sound as good as it possibly can, but it's a little rough. But I think the most important part is the content that's there and things that you can pick up on, like how we're approaching this new model, which we refer to as the ACC model, which we've talked about here many, many times, which is awareness, consideration, and conversion. And that's how we're reaching a huge level of scale with a lot of our customers right now. And the ones that have reached a level of scale and growth are now turning towards this methodology, which we talk about in depth here inside today's show. So let us know what you think. I really want to know, is this something that you want to hear on a regular basis? You hear me chipping in every now and then. My goal in this is not to be the star of the show. My goal of this is to get the team to divulge a lot of the things that they're doing that maybe they don't realize are as brilliant as they actually are, but then we talk about it and we go through it. And I thank you as a listener here of the show for many years, uh, will be able to be the beneficiary of that. So without further ado, I'm going to take it to Mike, who is our moderator. He is our VP of client success. Let us know what you think. Here is one of the team calls from Tier 11 from just a few weeks ago. So make sure that you do go over to our YouTube channel and actually watch this in action. You can actually see some of the team members that are uh, on the call itself. So definitely check that out over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. If you don't follow us on your socials, you are totally missing out because we do a lot of this kind of stuff on our socials for Perpetual Traffic as well as for Tier 11. So definitely check that out. But uh, today's podcast is obviously over on our YouTube channel at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. So without further ado, take it away, guys. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way 
using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So why don't we get into the meat of the agenda? The theme of this meeting is masterminding. So basically, we want to be able to get everyone together. One thing that we used to do on these calls were like a brain trust feedback, bring your problem, bring your account to the table and get to leverage the brain trust of the agency to help you get new ideas. So that'll be one thing we do. We want to also share what's working in media buying. So all you media buyers, if there's something going on in your campaigns that you have found some success in and want to share or or think would be of value, like this is the time to share with that on media buying. And we also want to do the same thing for creative. So with those three things in mind, I think what we'll do is we do have the larger group here. It's nice to kind of have everyone participate. So we'll try it here. And then, you know, maybe we'll move to breakout rooms after, but Maybe we'll start with media buying. I'll put some media buyers on the spot here and would just love for one or a few of you to kind of raise your hand and share what's working on media buying so that we all benefit from learning what's working now and so that we may apply it later and also just to sharpen our own swords and get smarter about what's going on now. So we'll start with the media buying. I can do a quick one, Mike. It's a little bit more copy messaging focused, but... I guess since I'm on the media buying team, I'll raise my hand if you like. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. Cool, cool. So it's also a big shout out to Marina. We have our client who launched a new business that we've kind of been struggling to get up to KPIs. And I posted in the production channel just for some some help. It's car enthusiasts are our main audience, but specifically we're giving away a pickup truck. So that's been a difficult audience for us to drill down into. And like I say, we've yet to hit KPIs on this new business, new account. And Marina hopped in. She's a car enthusiast and she gave some really great insights, not just for creative, but also on the messaging side. She recommended keeping it short and concise to the point. And then she also helped me realize that we need to highlight the lowest barrier of entry to get in on the chance to win this super cool truck and to just like really keep it short, simple, keeping in mind that the audience is focused on like, what do I have to do? What's in it for me? And just get that out in a short, quick sentence. We started hitting KPIs on the account once I implemented those new copy options and they've just been rocking. So yeah, big shout out to Marina. I don't know if she's on this call, but that's what we've been seeing working right now. Awesome. Thanks, Courtney. What was the short copy variation? I'm just curious. Yeah, let me... Let me go into the ad real quick. I have them pulled up. So one is there's nowhere you can't go with this 2023 Chevy Silverado and it can be all yours for as little as $5. $5 is the lowest purchase you can make to get entered to win. So there's that one. And then the second one is win the ride of your life for as little as $5. Get 10x tickets today at our website. So highlighting the like, it only takes five bucks and just like a really short, quick little blurb has been really helpful, I think. As opposed to like trying to explain it in multiple sentences. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Got it. Was that like in a split test or in a sandbox campaign? Or like, how did you kind of roll it out? And then the evolution to go and scale it and give us a little story on the journey? We haven't scaled too much just yet. But basically, I just duplicated our top performing audience that I had been running the rest of our ads in. I took the best performing existing creative concepts, paired them each with those two new copy variations and launch them in their own ad set, let it run on its own for a little while. And it did really well off the bat. Very cool. Okay. Any other media buying, what's working now things? Remember, this is, I know it's a big crowd, but any idea, even if it seems small to you, could be a ton of value for everyone else. So please don't feel shy. Um, I find most of these are the ones that you think that everybody knows that you're doing. Like that one right there is so simple. It's like shorten your copy. Like, oh, that's not really a tip, but actually it is. So I think 
stuff that's so simple that you do probably without even thinking that just works is a great thing to share here. I feel like I've spoken quite a bit already, but I've got one that's been running quite well. And that is basically running both purchase conversion ads and landing page traffic through to blogs. What my consider what my thought process at the moment, and that fits in with the ACC model that we've spoken about quite a bit and over the last couple of meetings, but ultimately people's purchases are going to be more considered now, considering the sort of world we're living in economically and stuff like that. Like, you know, making just split decision purchases is asking quite a lot. So by running the ads to the blogs, we're actually getting initial touch point education. We're doing like getting visits onto the website. We're doing quite a lot using that blog post. Time spent on the site is ticking a lot of boxes. And I've tested it by doing purchase ads and landing page ads. And at the moment, they're both working quite well. So yeah, it might be a consideration for others. Yeah, one thing that I do is quite simple. I have like before and afters to show the difference is hiding negative comments. So even if the brand replies to something that I don't just it's just like generally negative and doesn't really add any value to their explanation. Like hiding all that stuff on your ads twice a week, three times a week, uh, does make like a difference in how they actually perform. Like you can have night and day, one day to the next. In a good way, bad way, which way, Cameron? Positive. So like, if you it's often like you just see the ad CPA maybe going up nine times out of ten. You know, if it's just like a sudden thing, I'll look and there's a negative comment. You just hide it and it'll be back to normal a day later. You almost call that ad hygiene. You go have it take a shower, yeah. freshen up, let go of the negative. Yeah, and you don't need to delete them. You can just hide it so the person can still see it. The brand can reply to it. It's just no one else can see it. And if you want to delete it because it's a purely negative, I mean, you could do, but I just generally hide them. A lot of time as well, I think we think the theme of our clients are doing it, but quite often they're leaving stuff that I just don't think there's any point replying to. It's just better to have it off the ad. It doesn't add any value. Does it matter if there's like lots of comments, it's okay to hide some versus there's five negative comments and you hide them all. And then so people go into comments and see... Oh, it says there's five comments, but there's nothing here. Because then I kind of assume the worst about those type of situations, but it still improves performance. But would they see if you've hidden them? Does it tell? tell? Because like we see there's five comments because you're like an admin, but like I don't think the actual viewer gets to see that it says five comments. Does it say like this comment has been hidden? I forget exactly. No. what the it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, not even the person who left the comment will know it's hidden. Ah, okay. In- so like you can, you can, there's two options, there's delete or hide. If you delete it, I think they know that their comments has been deleted because they can't delete it, so they can't see it. And those are the situations where you'll have to be like, ah, they deleted my comment. But if you just hide it, it just becomes like blurred out. And when you're managing it, you can see it, but they can see it too, but no one else can see it apart from the commenter and the brand. But yeah, I think I have a screenshot where I literally... I have the CPA and then the next day after doing this, you can see it just improves. That's killer. For example, you've got an ad that you're like cruising and things are going well. And all of a sudden you see CPA creep and you're like, wait a second here. Instead of pausing it. You think it's fatiguing, but it's not. It's just like Mike said, hygiene. That that raises the question, right? (laughs) Where it's whose responsibility is it to go do that? I mean... You're the media buyer, you're trying to drive performance, so maybe you're inclined to go do that. But if you've got a lot of ads and you're managing a lot of accounts, that's typically what the social media manager would do, which isn't under our 
purview per se, right? But it's also in their yeah. best interest. So it's kind of like, how do you navigate that? So this is why I never used to do it. And then I remember when we had a comment audit on their whole account, and that made a massive difference. So now I will tell brands, add negative keywords. For example, Rhino, everyone always says negative things about China or is Chinese made, not USA made. So I've asked them like a couple of times to put that in their keywords. They haven't, but it's like I could just leave the ad getting bad or I could just go hide all those comments when I'm reviewing the ad because it, it has an impact on the performance. So I think it is their job, but also it's kind of hard to leave it when it's affecting. Yeah, as Cameron mentioned, they could even set up keywords and then once it will be flagged, those comments would be hide automatically. So that still works. You can go into the page and, and put in the... We haven't yeah. talked about that in years. But not on Instagram. So if you put them in, it'll only take away from your Facebook ad. But if it's on the Instagram comments, it, they'll still be there. And you can't hide Instagram comments. You can only delete. But I believe for Instagram, you could go into setup, into settings, Instagram app and check there. Okay. Separately. On the app? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the app, they need to check that. Perfect. That's a killer tip right there, too. Yeah, I can see everyone going into their campaigns now. Okay, who stinks? Who needs the bath? <laughs> I just talked to a prospect two days ago. Like, yes, so yesterday or two days ago. Uh, yesterday, they like, yeah, the agency that we have, they have to swap out all their ads every two to three days. And they won't tell us, like, what the problem is. And I'm wondering if it's just something like this. It's like it performs, and then all of a sudden, it just stops performing, and it's negative comments, and... See what niche are they in? Yeah, they're in one of those niches where there would be negative comments just because of skepticism on both platforms. Well, I think it's because the predominant idea is that if you are constantly having your hide comments, then it's going to negatively affect the ad. Like it's going to go the other way because it looks like you're trying to manufacture performance by not letting the people speak or see what their comments. But this goes counter to that, which is interesting. Well, from Facebook's perspective, it's like it, it enhances the user experience. Hiding comments that could be detrimental to the ad, I mean, it doesn't necessarily take away from an engagement. So yeah, I see what you're saying. It could go either way, just sort of spitballing it. But I mean, the point is, it's like it improves performance. So I mean, you see a, an ad doing well, all of a sudden it dips in performance you hide the comments and then you've seen in your experience, Cameron, the performance come back in most cases. Yeah, but obviously you have to have, you need to take a bit of a view on what should be hidden and what is providing value. So like if they say, if there's like a genuine concern that can be addressed and actually the response to that comment helps sell the thing. So I don't know, for example, like if someone, let's say it was like a supplement and someone said, but this ingredient is bad for you or whatever but it's just like pseudoscience and then you reply saying actually that's not the case here is the reason here's like i don't know the study it's on our page well that's like a negative comment but that genuine response i think helps sell it because someone else might have had the same concern you've now demonstrated that you have objection handled basically in your comments versus if someone when this doesn't work you just said it just doesn't work they've never tried it well you just want to hide that it has no value at all having that. An interesting thing would be to also like document all these negative comments and then perhaps running a video retargeting all those who engage with those with those ads and then addressing those comments. I mean there are some negative comments that people who wouldn't even go after the click, they'll immediately raise them. So those objections are different than what's happening for someone who already interested in the product. So I think you might be having like two type of different objection killer ads. Yeah and also the opposite way Kobe. 
So like what I get is people in the comments, they've UGC of the product in use. So like I go and ask the, ask Rhino, can you reach out to that person? Here's the link and ask if we can use their testimonial and their image as an ad. So mm-hmm. they, they've done really well with engagement, but the CPAs on them weren't so good. But I think if you get the right one, that might be something that, or in the right brand, maybe that's something that actually, you know, rather than you going out trying to get all this UGC from people, they're just leaving it in the comments. You just have to ask them, can I use it? Yep. Yeah, just piggybacking off of what Kobe said, it's also a clever way to leverage the comments to get information for the ads. So for example, I just made a recommendation on one of our clients to create some like Q&A ads that look native with like the, the question bubble from TikTok. It's not always easy to get that information from the client because clients don't always know as much as they think they do about their clients. But digging into the comments and seeing the questions people are answering asking, even seeing that example that Cameron gave, even seeing the answers that the company is replying, and then just pulling that out, utilizing it in an ad, especially if that answer is getting a lot of likes in the comment section as well. Awesome. That was a good one. All right. Why don't we transition over to creative? This could be a creative strategist or you know, media buyer. Is there something creatively that you see working really well? I know we've got some new UGC out there. How is that performing? What else can you share? Rachel put in a task yesterday because she has a dog that she wanted a script for. So the dog is speaking with a voiceover. And she said that one did really well. So now we're doing two more of those. But it was really fun to write. And I'm seeing a lot of just on Facebook or social media in general, like ladies with a child's voice or a man's voice or kids with an adult voice or or adults, a manly man with a little boy voice. So yeah, just think creatively about voiceovers too and mismatch, make it unexpected and fun could be a good opportunity. Yeah. So that was actually from something I had just seen organically. There was just kind of like a trend going around of people adding voices for their dog, like narrating their dog's thoughts and I saw it so much organically that I just thought like this could work and it's been crushing it. So specifically, it's been crushing it in story format, though. So that was another key takeaway was that story format is not surprisingly working better than any other format recently. But yeah, just kind of adding that humor and personality has been working really well. Rachel, the story format, was that the one that we talked about on Customer Acquisition Show where you tried it square format originally and it didn't work? So you were just like, let's try it story format and then it started performing? Yeah, it completely tanked in square and we changed nothing other than just changing it to story. And now it's been crushing it to the point that, yeah, now we're trying to get more iterations of it. Has anybody else seen anything like that? Like where it didn't perform in square and then performed well as a vertical placement? I'm seeing vertical placements performing better now, just in general. I used to prefer square because it was more universal, but I definitely have seen a shift where vertical is doing better. But I don't know if it's because it's Instagram heavy, these accounts. So I'd be curious, the one Rachel's talking about, is the spend Instagram heavy? Is it Facebook heavy? Is it balanced? Is that like a factor? Can this voiceover thing work with like non-life object like uh, we have a client that has animation figures in multiple different shapes and forms and it's like one of their best performing ads are with this animated figure can we make it speak without like making it super complicated i would say yes 
And I would guess it would be, my guess would be that it would work because it's going to be different. Yeah, for the production side of the one, Amy wrote the script. I like read it and then changed it in TikTok using their voice changer and then just grabbed that audio and put it over some B-roll. Yeah, and Daniel, we're seeing the stories and reels format with some UGC content for other clients working better as well. Started with all placements, performance wasn't great, dug into the placement breakdown, seeing that when it is running on stories or reels, it is performing well within KPIs or closer to KPIs and just noticing that. So I think definitely something to explore, but also just the UGC and TikTok style videos are more native to those placements. So the people that are interacting with those are more likely to be interacting on those placements. Probably easier to Trojan horse those ads into people's feeds as well. Exactly. It looks a lot more native there versus in feed. Yeah, I think a big takeaway like this exact situation as far as the dog narrating might not work in every niche. But I think it's just a big takeaway as far as like looking at the niche and what's kind of trending organically, because that again, you can just sneak it in the feed, they're used to seeing it. And it's just something that people are enjoying in the moment. So that's something I've been doing more often is seeing what's trending organically. Do you have a process for that, Rachel? How do you go about doing that to keep a pulse on trends? Spend a lot of time on TikTok. And then, um, and then it just feeds you. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm in that niche. So like I'm already getting dog videos, but like I just search up just some of the niches and just spend a lot of time on TikTok and just see like which videos have a lot of engagement, just see comments and how many people are duetting them, things like that. Yeah. Someone posted a, I can't remember who did it, but like a YouTube video of a creative person who went into an ads library for what's that t-shirt company that we all know. She was this really smart gal and she went to the ads library and kind of went through her audit. Like these are all these different creatives. Let's see how they're doing. Looks like they got UGC. Looks like they don't have testimonials, so they could probably do better there and whatnot. And she kind of broke down what was working and what they had working in the account. And one thing that she brought up was one thing they should be doing is they should do an hour story type of creative that talks about the founder and whatnot. And they should also be trying some new concept that's out of the box, right? And so I think that was kind of like, ah, we kind of probably all go through, let's make sure we have our testimonials in our UGC, but are you always testing stuff that's way outside the box? That kind of falls into that, right? Where you're like paying attention to trends and it's something that wasn't on your radar. It doesn't fit this list here, but it's something new and that'll allow you to get to a whole new pocket of people, but you have to be looking for it to be open to it, to have you see it type of thing. So I like that. All right. So wrapping up here, one person from each of the rooms just kind of recap what, what was shared and talked about, and then we'll kind of go through that and then we can wrap. So maybe Olha, we'll start with you for our room. Yeah. So we decided to talk a bit more about Black Friday and Cyber Monday because, you know, it's a big event that's coming. So we shared a lot of great insights from previous years. Rachel shared her experience and Oli shared his experience while previous years we were running multiple offers during each day before Black Friday and it didn't perform particularly well. So our major insight was to keep our offer as clear as possible, stick to one big offer for Black Friday, potentially have different offer for Cyber Monday. And also Daniel brought up to our attention really important thing to keep in mind the whole funnel, not just a conversion. And that's how 
brands could use and leverage coming two months, basically warming up and nurturing and educating their audiences. So then during Black Friday, they will be able to convert them better. So these are our insights. Thanks, Ola. Awesome. All right. Someone else from one of the other rooms? Uh, yeah, I can go. So yeah, we mostly talked about Advantage Plus campaigns or Advantage Plus shopping campaigns. Jonathan is having a lot of success there, optimizing for leads instead of purchases. And then, yeah, we kind of talked about the similarities in Facebook and Google with these Advantage Plus campaigns and how they're kind of taking away a lot of our abilities to target on Google. That's more like keywords and placements and things like that. Whereas Facebook, it's more like the interests uh, and audiences that we target. So optimizing for leads and then those leads eventually convert. So I think optimizing for leads with Advantage Plus shopping campaigns, that's relatively new, is it, Jonathan? Yeah, it was like a beta that we have and they did well from a cost per lead perspective. Yeah. Right. But I've also used them in e-commerce before. They do do well, but it basically just essentially opens up the audience and uses machine learning to try to find more purchases, essentially. So advantage plus for leads, not purchases. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They were in a lift test for leads, landing page leads specifically, not on Facebook leads. So basically just a different event because before it's optimizing for the purchase. In this case, it's just optimizing for the lead. Oh. Huh. That's pretty cool. But that, that's Lawn Doctor, and that's what they want. They want leads. It's like shopping at the end, meaning like shopping as in like purchase, but you're putting it on its head saying leads instead. That's very yeah. interesting. That's why Landon said they're probably going to rename it once it's finally rolled out. <laughs> really true. Well, yeah. I mean, Tom and Nick are there this week in New York. The last time I at the other conference, they're like, we've got 30 other Advantage Plus campaign types coming out. So <laughs> maybe you're just jumping the shark a little bit there, but that's awesome. All right. Good one. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Jonathan. For our last group. We also talked a bit about Advantage Shop. Whatever campaign, they changed the name and we got them there. Danielle is seeing it crush into her accounts which is really nice to see. And both of accounts primarily e-com. But the interesting thing that she also sees on her accounts is that the spend is being like almost equal across all ads that are running, which is something you wouldn't be seeing on the original campaign type. So that's very interesting. Yep, that's pretty much it. Almost sounds like a Slack channel, the evolution of Advantage Plus. Shopping There's work coming up for all the team. So brace yourself. All right, so that is this week's show. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether you listen to it on your your Google device. Definitely leave a comment there. We get all those, and we actually are way behind on mentioning them on air here during our shows, but definitely check that out. Or just leave a comment on our YouTube channel as well. We respond to all your comments over there. So I really want to understand, is this the type of stuff that you guys want to hear every once in a while, occasionally, maybe not as a supplementation or just a change in programming for the show, but I really want to know whether or not you feel like this is uh, the type of content, the type of stuff that's helpful for you as you scale and grow your business and uh, help your business ultimately achieve its vision. So subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me on LinkedIn and Qasim at Qasim Aslam on all 
the socials for him, as well as our socials for Perpetual Traffic and for Tier 11 are super active these days. So definitely check us out on every single social channel. I don't think there is one that we're not on at this point. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And of course, check us out on our YouTube channel over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. All resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, who wasn't here today, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 